Assalamu alaikum, brothers and sisters. Thank you so much for joining us here today with the MMAC podcast. Uh, I'm here with a very special person here today. It's my brother, my good friend, uh, Shahir. And we're here to talk about sort of the virtues of Ramadan and how we can just navigate this month better and get the most out of it, inshallah. So stay tuned, stay throughout the whole thing, and I'll let brother Shahir introduce himself, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu wa ala alihi wa sahbihi My name is Shahir Sayyid. I am, I was a student at Mason. So my journey in Islamic studies first began in uh, when I was six years old. From six to ten, I memorized the Quran. After that, just went through public school as normal. And after this, I decided to that I wanted to understand the divine words that I had memorized. And because of this, I decided to go to Texas, to Euless, Texas, to the Bayina Institute, to study for one year at uh, that Bayina Institute to learn Quranic Arabic. After this year is a year that I came to Mason for two semesters. Although I wasn't bad at computer science, it wasn't what I would consider my passion. Uh, it was, it, it just it didn't, didn't fit right with me. And then I knew from then on that my passion and my goal in life was to study Islam. And then now, that's where I am now. I'm in my second year at, in the Qalam Seminary, and it's a five-year program. But right now, I'm in Virginia because we're all, mashallah, social distancing and we're responsible people. Please tell all of me that all of you are responsible as well and staying home and being careful, inshallah. Um, and yeah, that, that is me. Alhamdulillah, man. We're so lucky to have you here. You know, although I miss you at Mason so so often, I'm, I'm just so glad I have a buddy who's pursuing this, especially when this community needs it so much. Alhamdulillah. So let's get on, on with it, bro. Let's, let's start talking about Ramadan. And I want to start off by asking you, uh, in your experience and just what, do you, what you think in general, what do you think is different about this Ramadan? Yeah, so, wow, that's, that's a good question. What do I think is different about this Ramadan? So, one thing that I've been thinking is that right now, a lot of people are struggling. Right now, I know people, and I'm sure there are people here, and you yourself, Abar, probably know people, who are struggling a lot, can't make ends meet, they lost their job, they can't pay rent uh, during this pandemic. And uh, organizations like Helping Hand and others uh, that have do a lot of humanitarian work are struggling um, to to help these people, and they, and especially during these times, they need even, they need even more help and funds from don uh, don uh, donors to do their work, their, requ- their required work. But what? And so I don't want to be insensitive to that issue. But for those of us that Alhamdulillah are blessed to have the ability to quarantine ourselves and sustain ourselves and financially manage this is a time where it's actually a blessing in disguise for us this ramadan i personally feel and the way i'm looking at it is that it's teaching us how to treat every ramadan every ramadan man for real like if you think about it half of the ramadans that we have no never mind scratch that every ramadan we have about seven or eight of the nights at least we spend to have with an iftar party. We spend going somewhere. And that's fine, right? It's part of the spiritual experience. If you were to ask somebody, if I have to ask somebody what someone's missing the most, 
about Ramadan, it's like, oh, the iftar parties, the tarawih hangouts, the guys hangouts, staying up till 4 a.m. And people mention this, right? And it's a reality. But we have to remind ourselves that, yeah, that, that has benefits, but the purpose of Ramadan is very spiritual. It's very personal and isolated. And the way I think about it is that the Prophet ﷺ, he did i'tikaf in the cave of Hira for a month. For a month. And, but back then, i'tikaf wasn't like a legal ruling. It wasn't like a formulated process. It was just him staying in the cave for a month. And only after this entire month did the words, the divine words, came down. He's a prophet. He became a prophet after one month of that. And the divine words, read the name of your Lord, uh, was revealed. And one of the lessons that teaches us is that in order to better ourselves and to become better people and to develop spiritually, we need to be isolated and we need to have that reflect, reflection. So this is kind of what I, I think about this Ramadan. I think this Ramadan is a truly blessed Ramadan. And uh, for many of us, we may be feeling that this is uh, helping us. But inshallah, we'll get into that topic later. Spot on, brother. You know, thanks for mentioning that that uh, section from the Sira. I mean, it's almost as if Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu was was would like the the whole uh, act of confining himself to a cave prepared him for revelation. And and if we relate that to our lives, you know, we have so so many things we do that are not necessarily necessary you know and uh we spent a lot of our ramadan doing that i mean you and i were talking about this just the other day how we just start planning for ramadan halfway into ramadan and before we know it the first say 14 fasts are not spent the most productively and i'm speaking first first and foremost about myself so you know emptying our lives of all those aspects those social aspects that can often obscure the real reality, you know, the, re the immersion that we need to keep ourselves in during Ramadan, you know, I feel like this is a blessing that we don't have that option at all and that we, we're just with ourselves uh, trying to make the most of it. And I feel like it's actually really showing us where we're at spiritually, you know. Absolutely, man. SubhanAllah. Absolutely. And you know, one thing that you just mentioned that's really profound actually is that there's an ayah regarding that. The full ayah isn't coming to my mind, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, فَاحْتَمَلَ السَّيْلُ زَبَدَ الرَّابِيَ وَمَا يُقُدُونَ عَلَيْهِ فِي النَّارِ بْتِغَاءَ Essentially, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings a parable in the Quran where he says that he subtly indicates that our hearts are like valleys. Our hearts are like two mountains and the valley in between. And when there's a valley in between, water collects here and toxins and different impure materials collect here, right? And if you're in, ever in a valley, you'll know that in that, that area, there's maybe a river and there's a bunch, a bunch of rocks and there's a bunch of stuff. There's just stuff everywhere. It's not, I wouldn't say it's unclean. It's just very uh, haphazardous. There's stuff everywhere. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about how Allah sends rain down. And in our minds, we're supposed to allude this to the Qur'an. Revelation comes out, rain comes down, and it washes away all the impurities in the valley. Washes away everything, like our heart washes away everything. And then what? The next part is key. The water, the the, the only thing that stays back, is what is beneficial. 
the water pushes away everything and all the froth and dust and dirt goes away. But now the, that the water's come fertile, uh, land is there and things can grow, fruits and vegetation grow from there. So this is what we learned. Like what you said is really, really profound. This is what you were, this kind of ties into that. That this Ramadan is a means for us to empty our hearts of the dunya and to fu- fulfill and to fill our hearts with hopes of the akhirah. SubhanAllah, bro. You know, thanks so much for sharing that beautiful reflection from the Quran itself. I mean, uh, being on that topic, what do you think are some of the benefits to not having this kind of Ramadan? What do you think was really beneficial about last Ramadan that we're not getting this Ramadan from the community, from the uh, five pizzas served at the Iftar party, whatever it may be, you know? So what are the benefits of this Ramadan as opposed to others, right? Yeah. Okay. Like, the, actually, what are the benefits of the, the last Ramadan opposed to this? So, for example, we had the community, right? Last, mm-hmm. last Ramadan, we were going to iftar parties, socializing with everybody. What do you think are some of the benefits of that we're missing out on, on this Ramadan? That's a really good question. So, you know, a lot of times we're talking about the fadail and the benefits and virtues of this Ramadan because we're always trying to be optimistic. But it's also good to think, take things into perspective and to look at the pros and cons of each side. So the pro, one of the pros of having the community aspect to Ramadan uh, in general is the khutbah, man. The, the khutbah every Friday, the first one's hype, the second one is hype-ish, and the third one's like, get your energy up, get off your, you know, your, everyone's tired, and the fourth one is, oh no, it's gone, Ramadan's over, right? But I just summarized four khutbahs, okay? That's like one and a half hour material at least. But what happens is that there is a communal love that develops. People who had uh, grudges against one another spell it out and they forgive one another. They give gifts to each other. They feed one another. You know, the Prophet ﷺ said uh, when he entered Medina for the first time, and understand that when he first entered Medina, when he was migrating to Medina, he's entering, although technically a peaceful land, there are hearts that are hostile towards him. The Jews don't want him there. Uh, some of the polytheists don't want him there. That's why in the constitution of Medina, the Prophet ﷺ had to clearly spell out no one is allowed, like the polytheists residing in Medina are not allowed to sympathize with the polytheists of Quraysh and attack us, and the Jews may not do this. And like, because he had to hold it together. And because he, he knew he was coming to a hostile environment, he had to calm the community down and talk about community. And his first address to them was, Ya ayyuhan nas salam. P.O. people, spread peace. And how do you do that? You feed people. <laughs> he said straight up, We all know, you know, when someone gives you that chai, that dude bhakti, when someone gives you that food, it doesn't matter how much you hate them, you can't help but love the person who gives you food. So I think that's one thing that we're missing, that community food aspect. Now, I'm not, again, we have to keep in mind that that should be limited you know if we're spending every night eating biryani and samosa and we're like like burping in taraweeh or like we're, because we eat we can't even pray taraweeh at all we have to question our priorities in Ramadan but I think that would be my take on uh what the uh what how the other Ramadans are more have a, a bit are more beneficial in some in some senses and I would say the community aspect and the mutual reminding 
You just took me back on flashbacks of uncles belching away on a oh next to you. And oh my god, bro. <laughs> bro, it's, dude, the funniest thing is, right, like, when you get so tired, you don't know, like, like, ah, they're in, you know, that happens to all of us, right? Like, it gets so funny. You know, like, Ali Taraweeh, right? So, there are some places in the Quran where the word Dalim comes. Yeah. Like, it's like, Surah Fatiha, Zayr al-Maghdubi alayhim Now, at the end of Surah Fatiha, usually reciters read this like really slow and like and they make it like really like, like really um I don't know what the word for it is. They make it echo. They make it powerful. <laughs> One of my friends long time ago, he would used to make the other places in the Quran that were the same Balim. He used to purposely make it sound exactly like that Balim to yeah. see how many people would behind him would say Amin, even though. It's not <laughs> He was evil, man. Stuff for a lot. Oh my goodness! Um, wow. I just, but, but like, but realistically, you're supposed to recite it the same way, anyways. Yeah. But it's so funny, like when I'm like reading a surah, and I know that someone, someone, at least one person behind me is going to say "Dalim." I mean, so it's just funny because everyone's like food coma, man. Everyone's We've all been there, man. You know, <laughs> we. I, I probably joined in with those folks who said "I mean" a couple of times. It happens, man. <laughs> Yeah, man, happens all the time. It's, yeah, it's just one of the perks, and just one of the funny things about Ramadan, you know, when it comes oh, along. The memes in Ramadan go wild, man. <laughs> go wild. On on that topic, you know, of like health and just eating too much. That that brings me like to an interesting question, which I'm asking is, uh, right now in quarantine, all our schedules are so you know all over the place, mm. and and rightly so, right? But do you think? our schedules, the way we're living our lives right now are, can sort of interfere with our connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, our connection with this Ramadan, our connection with Salah. Because, you know, the, the things we structure our life around have a big impact on us, our mental health and everything, you know. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, so starting off, like, we all have our different schedules. For example, for myself, I just... I attend Qalam online now that I'm over here in Virginia. Uh, for some of us, we're attending classes online, and for, for some of us, we're not. For some of us, we're done. For some of us, we're just uh, we're working too. Some of us work part-time. Some of us work full-time, right? So we each have to take into consideration what schedule we have. And the, it can interfere with our connection with Allah to a degree. Uh, this is an advice that you're going to hear a lot that any action can be a worship if you make the intention to make that worship. For example, studies. Oh, I'm studying to make halal income so I can provide for a family. There we go. Halal intention, you get reward for that. It's easy to talk about that conceptually, but it's difficult to implement that. It's hard to look at a screen of code and be like, I'm doing this for God. Like, it's, it's hard to have that intention. so often, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, it's the funniest thing, man. SubhanAllah. Like you're bagging, uh, uh, you know, uh, produce in the grocery store. That's a good thing to do, but to be real with ourselves, it is difficult. It is. Yeah. So one of my, my, one of my teachers at Qalam, he, he shared an advice that he received from one of his teachers. And he said this is probably one of the most profound things he heard. One of the skills of the ideal believer, the ideal mu'min, is to develop the awareness of the small pockets of time where they have time to worship. 
those 10 minutes between one class or another and that half an hour, usually spend that time just, just doing nothing. You have no idea how valuable that time is. No idea. Like that time, for some people, that half an hour, they can read a whole juz of Quran, man. For some people, they can reflect on a whole surah of Quran. And there you go, you fulfilled one of the most important forms of ibadah in the month of Ramadan. So we should ask ourselves, what's, what empty pockets of time do I have between things? Most of us look at free time, but we don't consider the free time between uh, different important times. So uh, I think that's something we should consider if our schedules are complicated, because it can, it can be very, very complicated. So if you can't dedicate to Taraweeh and other things, then just focus on these small pockets of time, inshallah. Bro, you know, it's so, it's so amazing that you mentioned that because just the other day I was reading about this concept of we're all, always so focused on time management, right? And mm. It's about just uh, doing the exact thing, thing you planned at the exact same time, but we lose something which is even bigger, which is uh, energy management, is, which is more about like fo- managing your focus because like you said, those 10 minutes uh, of salah, of reading Quran with focus by completely, uh, just completely immersing yourself in it, feeling like there's nothing else to be done at that moment, but read the Quran, do that act of ibadah, is, is a skill in its own that we need to try to develop so that we can take advantage of, of those little pockets of time and not always feel like we're just uh, going from task to task, moment to moment, not really you know, accomplishing anything. Absolutely, you know, this is something that, like you said, this is a very hot topic. People love to talk about time management, self-care, self-help books and all that stuff. But um, what can oftentimes be lacking is uh, the amal, the action. A lot of times we, especially in our generation, in, uh, in our uh, the, in postmodern society, we like to hear advice a lot. You know, people pay good money to hear an, a, motivating, a, motiva- a motivational lecture. Yeah. But then like a day after, hey, what do you talk about? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no one knows anymore. Right? So it's all about the action. And uh, so in this month, you know, spending those few, few valuable minutes is a hujjah, is a proof for you on the day of judgment. You know, we have so many narrations where the Prophet ﷺ said the Qur'an will come as your intercessor on the Day of Judgment and say, this person stayed up in the night because he loved to read me. Like, may Allah make us among those people, man. I mean, I mean, bro. I mean, leading on to that, bro, you know, while, while, while we're on the topic of ibadah and all the different kinds of ibadah we can do during this month, uh, what is what is the balance that we have to strike? Because I feel like a lot of people, including myself, uh, get wrapped up in, okay, we have Yasir Qadi doing a whole month of Quran. We have Omar Suleiman doing an angels series. And we got to hear all, we got to hear khutbahs. You got to pray 20 rakahs tarawih, 20 rakahs every time. Mind you, I'm joking. <laughs> but, but, uh, but yeah, we got to uh, try to pray our sunnah muakkadahs. We got to, and then you have the aspect of it. I want to finish Quran this month. I want to learn more about Quran this month. Maybe get into tafsir, uh, some of the more advanced studies. And 
how can you strike that balance? What is more important? And yeah, I just want your take on that. That's a very good question. And this is something actually a lot of Qalim students, including myself, asked our teachers right before Ramadan came in this year, especially because um, the Islamic knowledge, learning Islamic knowledge is considered to be a form of worship. So we're like, we ask the teachers, okay, should our priority be worship or should it be, uh, you know, our studies? And uh, the answer is something, and I'll, I'll add to it. They, they answered in a really honest way. And they said, you know, unless you're Imam Bukhari or Imam Ghazali, you usually don't have to choose between worship and studies. You usually have time to do both. Usually it's, am I going to be lazy or do worship? Right? Because usually most of it, what, I don't know a single person who doesn't have time to do like Quran reading because they're too busy praying. Okay, I don't know a single person <laughs> like that. Unless, mashallah, you're a wali of Allah, you're, you know, you're that type of person. But this is what they said, you know, that usually this is a cop-out because we just want to, Allah we just want to feel, we just want to feel like we are busy. But I'm going to add to that and say that Maybe outside of Ramadan, that may be the case, where that we are, where that we always waste time. But in Ramadan, typically, sometimes we do have to choose because in Ramadan we are all suddenly like different people, and we are operating at a different plane than we are in the other eleven months of the year. So during this month, what we should focus on, number one, primarily, the Quran. شَهْرُ رَمَضَانَ الَّذِي أُنزِلَ فِيهِ الْقُرْآنِ The month of Ramadan is the month in which the Qur'an was revealed. فِيهُ دَلِّ النَّاسُ بَيِّنَاتٍ مِنْ هُدَى الْفُرْقَانِ In it is guidance for people. And, uh, and it contains signs re uh, regarding objective morality that distinguishes falsehood from truth and more guidance. And Allah says in the Qur'an, فِيهِ شِفَاءُ لِمَا فِي الصُّدُورِ This is the healing for what is in the heart, what resides in the chests. So this month is definitely the month of the Qur'an. Uh, that's what we should focus on. Uh, so if you have a choice between uh, prayer and Qur'an, like, of course, Talawih is a sunnah, so apart, aside from that, if you have the choice between praying a random nafil prayer, or if you have the choice between doing dhikr or doing salawat, the Qur'an should take priority. Not to say that the other stuff are not important, but this should be the priority. And uh, on that note, um, I, highly uh, I highly recommend, if you don't have a good Quran translation, Abrar knows this too, this is what I recommend to him, and, he, and I actually want to hear more from you, Abrar, on that. The clear Quran, uh, I think this is, um, yeah, I think it might be flipped on your screen, but this is the clear Quran. And the clear Quran is written by Mustafa Khattab. It's a beautiful translation. It's got like section headers, you can't really see. It's got section headers, it's got footnotes explaining verses that seem odd out of context it's got in the english flows there's no like thou and lest ye it, like it's is it <laughs> or you know it's, it's very clear but Abra, i want to hear your thoughts on it because you have a perspective of of, of primarily relying on the english language as of now may allah increase your knowledge first of all bro you know like uh bring just bringing up those Qurans that when you read it, it, it sounds like Hamlet. <laughs> it's, better, it's better not to read that. But uh, Shahir, my brother Shahir, actually gifted me that Quran, uh, the clear Quran. It's a beautiful Quran. It's so simple to read. There's also a lot of footnotes and references. And uh, I think sometimes just tafsirs or maybe not tafsirs, uh, which are really beneficial. And 
thanks for leading me onto the topic of the Quran, bro, because I wanted to talk to you more about that. Uh, you mentioned the Quran should take priority in a lot of situations. And my question to you is why? And uh, before you answer, I feel like one of the reasons it's important for me and just many other people is because uh, when you're when you're trying to get to know the deen, a lot of the times we give priority to speakers, khatibs, over the word of God itself because we feel like we're not equipped necessarily to, to hold the word of God, to understand it. Borderline may be afraid because we don't know what's in it and how it's going to make us feel, how we're going to interpret some verses and how we might fall into the trap of interpreting the wrong way uh, because we have so many so much misinformation about uh, the Quran. So I feel like for me, uh, you know, uh, developing that relationship with the Quran was essential because it gave me comfort in my heart that my religion is truly, it, it is all good, you know, all of it is good and all of it is from God and I can't pick and choose. I got to accept all of it and reading every verse in some way is going to be relevant to my life, you know. So yeah. I just want to hear your your thoughts on that because I feel like you, you've, just speaking to you, I feel like you have such a great relationship with the Quran, you know, mashallah. You know, Allah increased both of us in our relationship with the Quran, inshallah. I definitely need to work on that as well. But um, one thing uh, I would say is that the Quran we get intimidated often by, the, by approaching the Qur'an for many reasons. One, we feel unworthy. We feel like we, we've sinned too much. We feel like Allah doesn't want us, and us, an impure being, to get so close to the pure and divine text. And this is a false notion that shaitan usually places in our heart. Then the question is, why is, it still, why is shaitan still affecting us in Ramadan? Well, it's because shaitan has trained our, our nafs for 11 months, and our nafs, ourself, has now... Uh, been classically conditioned, I, I, I guess you could say, to to berate ourselves. But what we know is that the Quran, uh, what you know, the scholars call it Bahrul La Sahila. It's an ocean that has no beach. It's a it's an ocean that has no shore, and that means that it has breadth and it has depth. It has everything. So there are some people, which is the most of us who are going to be able to swim at the top and maybe just at the edge, just at the top, right? And there are going to be some people who can dive 100 feet deep. And there are going to be people who can go all the way down to the ocean floor and extract gems. This is the Quran. So what this means is that the Quran was meant for everybody. Allah says over and over and over, and over in the Quran, he encourages us and implores us to use our intellect. You don't need to be a scholar to use your intellect. You, you know, just you don't have to wear a kufi or you don't have to wear a thobe to, to do that. Anybody can have a relationship with the Quran. Of course, we all need to be careful within our limits. Okay, you know, even, for myself, there are verses that I don't fully understand. And I have to know the tafsir of it beforehand. And if you don't understand a verse, go ahead and ask somebody. And don't feel shy about that. But understand that everyone is supposed to have a relationship with the Quran. Everybody. You know, some people can go deeper, but that doesn't mean that you can't. Subhanallah, bro. You know, that's the best answer I could I would have hoped for, hoped for because you pinpointed 
the exact obstacles that come into play when somebody tries to read the Quran. And, you know, there is no barrier between us and Allah, although many people like to, uh, <clears throat> you know, phrase it that way and give us that impression. There, there isn't, you know, it's accessible for everybody. And uh, there are people like you who pursue student of knowledge, who go in depth into the Quran. And we need that because we need to be able to rely on people to give us not just information, but wisdom when we, when we need it. And we need to know we need to know what our bounds are, but that's not to say that any any average Joe, let's say any any average Maryam, <laughs> could could just pick up the Quran and just feel ecstatic reading it and feel like it understands them in a way that nothing else does. Because a lot of people, when they experience doubt in the Deen or anything, it's like open the Quran because the Quran talks about people who experience doubt. Yeah. And he talks to them like Allah talks to them. And that's probably what we do. We need to hear at that exact moment when we experience doubt. So, yeah, bro, like, thank you so much for bringing all that beautiful knowledge to us. Uh, next, I want to talk about a very popular Ramadan myth. And we've talked about this before. And you, you know what it is. It's called the, the Ramadan Muslim. So, just... just all right no that's a good question it's a good question yeah um i'd like to begin i apologize because just yesterday i was reading the hadith about this concept of ramadan Muslim. now you're like huh does that exist okay but it does it does it does and it I, the word the exact words are slipping my mind but if I may, I would like to summarize the hadith. We have to ask ourselves what Ramadan Muslim means. So Ramadan Muslim, as we define it, is a Muslim who practices their religion more seriously and engages in spiritual practices more in Ramadan than other months. Correct, Abar? Yeah. Yes. So in that case, there's a hadith where one of the Sahaba said, said about the Prophet they said the Prophet ﷺ was always serious in all months about his religious practice. He was a kind man and everything, but he, when it came to religion, you, you know, a different narration says, uh, you know, let me just take a tangent real quick. His family used to say that he was so involved with us, he used to play with us, he used to work in the house, but the moment he heard the adhan, his face changed as if he couldn't recognize us anymore. Like a man on a mission, man. SubhanAllah. But that's the side point. This companion said, he was serious in all months about his worship. But when it came to Ramadan, he was more serious. When it came to Ramadan, he was more generous. He worshipped more. He read Quran more. Angel Gabriel would come down and, and review Quran with the Prophet ﷺ. That all sounds awfully like a Ramadan Muslim to me, man. That sounds... So if we're calling people Ramadan, uh, Ramadan Muslims in a derogatory manner, be careful. Because you're being derogatory unintentionally to the Prophet We as Muslims believe that being Ramadan, a Ramadan Muslim is the whole point of Ramadan. <laughs> it's the whole point. Uh, so um, may, Allah, may Allah open our eyes. Dude, you know, sometimes I, I, I often compare it to a boot camp. It's like uh, we're, we're supposed to pray every, every day, five, five walks a day. Uh, 
there's no exception for that. There's, you do that in Ramadan, out Ramadan. We have this one month where we're supposed to fast the whole month, 30 days, engage in more ibadah. And it's like a boot camp. It's, it's to prepare you for living life outside Ramadan and to take good habits uh, away from you when you leave it. That's the whole point is to increase. So the person who is already uh, practicing, I don't like, I don't like those titles, but uh, increases their practice. And the person who may, who's maybe emerging into the faith, just recently uh, discovered its beauty, has is also increasing it so that like you said that's the whole point of ramadan so anybody who's judging other muslims saying that uh in this month you know you're you're all uh sheikh molana you know and outside it you know you're, you're this or that that's frankly i mean uh, that person needs to check himself him or herself yeah absolutely you know the, the surah um oh my gosh how am i forgetting the name of surah Surah, I'm, I apologize, I can't remember the name of the surah, astaghfirullah, man. Uh, but basically one of the surahs in the Qur'an, uh, we learn about su'ul-dhan, husnul dhan and And that one of the diseases of the heart is that we always look for defects in people, dhan, what we call it, dhan. Like, dhan means to stab. Like, if the, when, the word for dhan is like the word you use when you impale someone with a spear. So ta'an also means impaling someone's character and prodding them and looking for defects and always seeing the bad side of things. That's a disease of the heart. And um, may Allah protect us from that. May Allah keep us optimistic and focus on ourselves. Amen, bro. Amen. And uh, going on from that, bro, uh, I want to ask you, uh, we've been talking about salah, increasing in worship, increasing uh, ibadah all these things uh what do we say to the person who this is probably their worst ramadan right you know people are asking us hey is this your best ramadan here but what if this is somebody's worst worst ramadan um worst case scenario maybe they haven't fasted all the fasts that we've had so far maybe they've engaged in sin that they do uh maybe they've engaged in more sin during this ramadan than they do outside ramadan and uh, the whole nature of the sin cycle is you, you despair, you, you lose hope in Allah subhanahu, to, uh, subhanahu wa ta'ala and you do it more. So what do we say to them? Uh, because the whole virtue of Ramadan is in forgiveness, right? Uh, speaking from pers- personal uh, experience, um, well, Ramadan was what propelled me into my deen. And... Uh, I feel like I'm the person I am today because I had one great Ramadan and it has the capacity to change you in ways you could, couldn't have ever imagined. So what do we say to those people, bro? Question, man. Um, answer in generically, not just particular to this Ramadan, but for anyone who feels like they're having a negative Ramadan. Know that it's caused for some reason. And particularly for this time, the reason may be that we're at home all the time. When we're at home all the time, like if I'm going to be real with our young Muslim brothers and sisters, man, it's so easy to lose, to let, go, let your heart go on your eyes, what you consume, uh, you know, what your heart is exposed to when you're alone. We have, we have everything right here on this phone, everything available. Us, you know, and may Allah forgive us, and may Allah allow us to to stay away from and to follow 
that as much as possible. But isolated like we are now, it's very difficult to fall into sin and it's easy to despair. And in other Ramadans, it feels difficult as well. It's easy to feel intimidated by the practice of other people. It's very easy to feel that way. Now, what we know is that Allah said in the Quran, Zuhruf, I believe, or Zubar. He said, Oh, my leaving who transgressed against Allah to their own detriment, don't lose hope in Allah. And you know what we learned from this is that you know, this tafsir, and they said it is a sin, it is a sin to lose mercy. Imagine how merciful Allah is that that bad assumption of Allah in of itself so offensive to Allah that it's considered imagine Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala th- is thinking think that I will give you like what do you, th- what do you think I am going to forgive you that's like the uh, misunderstanding Allah from his core and because of that scholars say that even saying that is sin and that's not meant to be like a like. To, to, that's not meant to uh, discourage you. That's meant to be an encouragement. Like, wow, like he's so merciful that considering him otherwise is is not a good thing. So, just focus on. Don't worry about someone else's Ramadan experience. You may be hearing all these great stories how people are staying indoors, uh, ten juz a day, and and on their on their on their uh, prayer mat and they're you know like hey, don't worry about all the spiritual you your Ramadan experience is your Ramadan experience don't let anyone steal that from you I chose you to be alive at this moment there are people that I know personally who didn't make it to this point they passed away right before Ramadan or in Ramadan but they didn't get to through so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen you and I like to be here so that's what I would say to the brothers and sisters who are who, who are struggling to to understand that Allah is is waiting for you with open arms. As is as is appropriate for him. SubhanAllah, bro. That that cut me deep. I mean, I was really impacted by that because um, there's so much truth to all, all of that. And in a broader conversation, man, uh, how can we sort of change the perception? of young Muslims who just feel intimidated and judged and targeted by, uh, by the zine because of the way it is often portrayed to them, you know? Yeah, so one thing I've always firmly believed, like may Allah forgive the people who have done this and may Allah, uh, and we hope that these people had the best of intentions, but they didn't, they weren't the best at communicating. I've always believed that the Muslim ummah and community has done, has pushed Muslims away further than, than Islamophobes have. <laughs> the, the, like, the, you know, the people on certain news media channels who say racist things don't push Muslims away from their faith as much as a, some, some religious authority in Islam can push someone away. Just the fact, like for example, I'm not a religious authority whatsoever. I'm a student. I'm a second year student. I'm at the bottom of the totem, totem pole. But the fact that I'm wearing this and I'm wearing this, if, if, this, if I say something, if I were to say something, just to be real here, not out of arrogance, if I were to say something, 
and people would take it authoritatively and people would take what I see as a representation of the Islamic paradigm and perspective. And that's so dangerous. And we, and leaders need to be aware of that. And sometimes when a leader does not know how to properly communicate or when they have diseases of their, of a, of, in their own hearts, which anybody can have disease in their hearts, even scholars, especially scholars actually, because shaitan, you know what they say, right? The, there are more devils following scholars than there are following everyone else. When, they, when that happens, then they can easily say something and be harsh towards people, which pushes people away. And what we know is that the Prophet ﷺ, he was so soft. You know, I, I, there was a companion of the Prophet ﷺ who, uh, he was young. He was a young man. And as you know, as a young man, he's got a bit of a, he's got a bit of a, he's got a, he's got a bit of a kick to him, right? He has his own personality. Yeah. And the Prophet ﷺ and this companion are close together. They're traveling together. And a beautiful woman walks by. Beautiful. And this, this companion you know, we think we, we obviously, the companions, they're the best of people, but they were human. Yeah. He was staring at this lady open mouthed. He was staring. And the Prophet saw him. He took his head, his chin, and he just moved his head away. <laughs> he, just, he just took the head and just moved it away. He didn't, like, he's not like, Ya Haram! Ya Ashaq! Ya Like, no, no, he's not like, he's not like saying that he's going to hell. He's not like screaming at him. All he's saying is, you know what? Bro, I swear that that is straight out of a Bollywood movie. That scene, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! And then like like the because they couldn't get to see her and she didn't see him, and they were supposed to reunite. Anyways, not really on that role. of course we're all good Muslims here. We don't watch those movies, right? <laughs> I'm messing with y'all. Um, but you know, Subhanallah, he was a very he was with people, very soft, and unfortunately, many people are pushed away because the leadership and people in the community, people who should not be representing Islam. Like, if someone, were, if someone were to walk up to an average Abdullah and ask a question, they, who, who is that person? Hey, am I sinful for doing this? Yes, sir. Like, no, you're not. Like, you know, there needs to be a, a balance. Unfortunately, this is very, very present. Western Muslim Ummah. It's something that is born out of religion, religious dogmatism. Either one, and of course, you know, I'm not a psychologist, but what I think is either someone is new to the religion or new to practicing their religion at least, and they're, they're, they have that zeal and they want to share it with everybody and they don't know how to communicate it properly, or perhaps they just have a disease of the heart. But Allah, Allah knows best, but May Allah protect us from that. And if you do feel like you're pushed away from the religion, know that those people do not represent Islam whatsoever. The Prophet the Prophet taught us kindness. The Prophet taught us that if we see someone sin, we make we make excuses in our head. Maybe they're not actually sinning. Maybe they're doing something else. You know. So um, don't let other people ruin your Ramadan experience. Subhanallah, bro. You know, like everything you said there. It's, it's so true that uh, you need to warm your heart towards someone or something before you can listen to them, right? Mm. And, and I feel like that comes to your broader point that uh, the Prophet understood this completely and he spoke to people where they were at. And uh, 
we, we have this sort of uh, impression that everybody during the Prophet's time was so flawless, right? They were, no, they were, they had flaws and we're supposed to have flaws and Allah doesn't, Allah doesn't refer to people as not being sinners, but he refers to the people of Jannah as uh, the best of sinners, right? Those, those who come back to him. And uh, so yeah, just this notion of speaking from, from a height down to other people, just because they know. And, and my teacher has made me and his students aware, aware of this, that if, if knowledge makes you arrogant and it, it, it is a tool for you to uh, target, accuse other people, then that knowledge is bad for you. And uh, the prophet never spoke to anyone in an accusatory tone. He said things in general terms and the people who were uh, uh, involved understood what he was talking about, but he never, he never pointed fingers. And, uh, we, you know, thanks for bringing all of that up and just summing all of this up so beautifully, bro. Um, I think we're at the end of our time right now, but I feel like people who are watching, who will be watching, will enjoy every bit of this uh, conversation almost as much as I did. Uh, I mean, we're, we're so lucky to have you, bro, uh, come on this show for NMAC. And uh, I'm glad, yeah, glad to be here, and I definitely enjoyed all my freshman for you. Thank you, brother Shahir. Uh, any, any benefit that you had from this uh conversation is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Any, any faults, any ill impact is from us. Uh, again, I want you to pray for brother Shahir, pray for all the Muslims who are suffering uh, during this time, and inshallah, may, may Allah make this the best Ramadan we've ever had. Assalamu alaikum, brothers and sisters. Shahir, want to say salam? Wa alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Assalamu alaikum, brothers and sisters. Take care.